Hey, folks. It's me. It's Mark. I'm checking in. I talked to you Monday. You know what's going on. It's been a uh, horrible few days, but uh, I think I'm beginning to um, come out of at least the shock part of it. And um, it's up and down. It's waves. You know, I've been I've been very busy because so many people have reached out. I mean, thousands of people have reached out. And I got to tell you, you know, all you people who listen to the show, uh, who reached out, it, it helps me. And her family appreciates it. The people that love her appreciate it. The outpouring of love and support, sadness, it's, it's helping. And I, and I really want to thank you. I know this is going to be a long haul. I know there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but I've been trying to keep busy. I've been trying to make myself available for the family and for whatever needs to be done. Friends have come over to do some social distance sitting with me. And, you know, I've gone to uh, one person's house, a couple and, and another couple came over, friends of mine, and we were out back outside doing the grieving sort of uh, food thing, socially distance, you know, so there is human connection happening. There's several people that I talk to on the phone every day, friends, and then just the outpouring of love from everybody in my business, people who I had no idea would know me or know Lynn, but I'm, I just wanted to check in. I, I can't go on too long. It's been a long day here. It's going to be up and down, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to, to, to stay engaged here. I have a bunch of shows I recorded before um, Lynn passed away. That we'll get to, but today I actually have another repost, a, a posthumous repost for Fred Willard, who um, died a few days ago on, on the 15th. He's one of the great comic geniuses, one of the great comedy actors, just a genius. And we had him on the show, um, I think we did the interview er in early 2012, and we, it was put up, it was posted on the March 15th, 2012. And it's interesting. I you know, I remember doing it because this is fairly early on in the process of the podcast. And I remember I learned some lesson from him. I I couldn't identify it re-listening to the conversation again. But there was a a question I had asked Fred that uh, it was a personal question, but it wasn't the nature of the question. It was, you know, I can't remember what it was, but it, I just realized in asking it that he had never thought about it the way that I was asking. And I can't remember what it was, but it, it was just this moment of a of a gentleman that was already a, a bit older who was sort of set in his way of thinking and just never thought about what I asked him the way I asked him to think about it. And it kind of threw him. And I realized that there's no reason to push this because he can't process it. And it was a, a moment of boundary and a moment of respect that I really made note of and integrated in to how, how my sensitivity to people evolved. I just remember that. He's a sweet guy, a very funny guy. He talks about his wife a lot, uh, and she passed away in uh, 2018. And I'll, I'll be in touch, you guys. I'm, I'm going you know, to keep doing this stuff. And thank you for all, all the support. Thanks for being there. I'll check back with you on Monday. And this is my conversation with Fred Willard from 2012. Have you done many podcasts, Fred? I have done a few, yeah. It's oh. always a little strange. You never know, uh, are you being heard or when are you being heard <laughs> or what? Uh, it's going into space. But, uh, well, we're recording it, but it, it must be fascinating that uh, this is uh, this show. This is part of show business now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is this 
Well, this is not streaming. I remember I did nope. something with it. Streaming. Streaming means it's going out live. No, this is not streaming. It, but it's it's pretty pretty close to it. So, you're one of the funniest people alive. That's what I tell people, and people kind of look at me funny. And they say, well, I don't know. There's a lot of funny. <laughs> but was this that? Was this always the the, the direction? Well, was this always the big plan? You know, I always I was kind of the class clown, as right. most comics were as a, as a kid, kind of growing up, and I. I for some reason, I, I guess I don't know if they'd make um, kind of funny remarks in school, and I, but um, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I always loved comedy. I think it's uh, it, it's just nice to release to, to hear a comic and, and go someplace and laugh. Where'd you come from, though? Well, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. When Cleveland was great, uh, it was it was at the time called the best location in the nation. You know, they had steamships coming in, and it was a steel town. Because I was just there, and I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's a little sad. Uh, it seems to be bouncing back a bit. There's a couple good restaurants, but I could tell it was a great city. At, a- at one time, it was pretty booming. It was, I think it was like the fourth or fifth largest city in the country. Because you- it, a, a, you know, it was right on the Great Lakes. We had the Indians, and we had the Browns. We had uh, uh, a big, vibrant downtown, and... and I don't know what happened. I think all, all the industries kind of folded, and everyone moved to the suburbs. Right. And now downtown, there's the center, which used to be called the Terminal Tower. Yeah. It's now uh, Terminal uh, Tower City. Right. And then you go about 18 blocks east, and there's a lot of theaters. Some of them that I used to go to as a kid, they'd have live shows. They'd have a movie, and then Danny Kaye would be there, or Bob Hope. Or you saw Bob Hope? Jack, uh, I, I did see Bob Hope. I remember saw Jack Benny, Danny Kaye. Really? Uh, How uh, old were you? Uh, I was oh, just a little kid, just old enough to go downtown. My, I'd always have to have a friend take me. You know? uh-huh. My mother would say, you're not going downtown by yourself. Not really. You know, parents yeah, yeah. never realized these great moments that... Uh, uh, and, and I'd hang out by the Cleveland Stadium if I go to a ball game. Even if I didn't go to the ball game, I'd hang out by the visitors' um, exit, get all the visiting players' autographs. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. A lot of great. Um, Do you remember seeing comedy? I can't imagine. So they'd have the uh, they'd have a movie and a comedian or, or shorts. Well, or... it wasn't even the the comedians. Well, Danny Kaye, Jack Benny. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing stand up comics well, was I, there even that a form yet it was more i don't i think it was for the older crowd right you know, if you go to miami or grossinger's yeah these older comics with always with a tux yeah, yeah. and a lot of jewelry on their hands um really? and i was going to dinner or going to miami i was just in miami uh but i remember what impressed me the most i don't know if you remember a, a spike jones the musical act well he was huge and he, he, he was yeah. huge and very good musically and i went uh, I I'd heard his records and his his show came through Cleveland, and I went down to see it and I'd never seen it was a comedy review, but it was based on music and he do, did takeoffs on uh, uh, on songs, um, cocktails for two with sound effects right and he they had he had funny characters Sir uh-huh. Frederick Gass uh-huh. and, people, and he had a harpist who just sat on the stage uh-huh. and you'd never they made a big thing of it after you noticed the harpist the woman had never played the harp she just sat there <laughs> yeah. and i was just amazed this is comedy i'd never seen before and they were doing it for radio so it was you were watching yeah. a, a stage play almost well i think he was doing his radio show but i think he also did a stage performance right. Because I remember he had a, a joke that he had a, a, a dwarf who came running across the stage pulling a rope. Yeah. And you watched the dwarf pull the rope, and you kept watching the rope kept moving, and here yeah. comes the dwarf 
Again. in the back end. And as a kid, you'd never seen it. It was a, like a another dimension of comedy. Was that, a, that was your first dwarf experience? Yeah, well, and Cleveland, you didn't know, I mean, you didn't know dwarves, uh, you didn't know what, but uh, up until then, the jokes were the, uh, my mother-in-law drove my Cadillac off yeah. a cliff, mixed emotions. And which was funny to me. And it's all mixed emotions. I That's see. That's clever. Yeah. yeah. But I always wanted, uh, I always liked comedy. It's, yeah. it's kind of a release. I guess I was always kind of a, a worried kid. And I still worry a lot about things. So, um, so it gave you some relief. A relief. And my parents were not very, it wasn't, what, not a laugh filled household. <laughs> no, no. But I had aunts and uncles who were funny. Thank God. Oh. <laughs> They'd come over, and you know, my mother was very, uh, you know, not, 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 calm down. I don't. Yeah. My father, and, uh, what did you mean? I heard from school today that yeah. you had a, uh, you know, some, and um, there was a lot of panic around. That. Yeah, <laughs> but I had these wonderful aunts and uncles that would come over. My one uncle would pretend to steal silverware. Uh-huh. Um, it was so I always laughed at that. Yeah, what kind of racket was your father in? I'm not sure. He was <laughs> working for something called Morris. Plan bank. It was something about automobile financing, <laughs> but he passed away when I was fairly young, which is it, it's always very uh, um, emotional. You know, I was like eleven or twelve years old, uh-huh. and he died. And that was, you know, it's really tough age. It, it's like a big dose of reality because sure. you don't know. You, no one's going to die. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Great grandma died. She right. was almost. Uh, you know, she was really old. She was seventy-five. Right. right. Nowadays, seventy-five doesn't seem that old. Right. You know, well, well she's, he was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so but, that was a big void. Yeah, yeah. So then yeah, I was I wanted even more laughs. Anything that would be right, funny, and, right? So when you left Cleveland, I mean, you you grew up there, and then what was the next step for you? Next step, let's see. I went off to. Uh, I was sent away. My mother remarried uh, yeah. to, to the wicked stepfather, and they decided that send me away to a, a prep school, a military school, Ugh. and I went away to a little one. My last two years in in high school, which turned out to be a lot of fun. It was in Kentucky. It's no uh-huh. longer there. Yeah. But in the winter, the selling point is they moved the whole school down to Venice, Florida. Oh, okay. For three months. Yeah. And that was so great to be in Florida. And then, um, so then I, I decided to go. I said, this is kind of fun. And I took some kind of IQ test, and I turned out, or some test, I had the highest grades, or the highest IQ of anyone in the school, because these were a lot of times, they're, they're kind of kids that are sent there because they're not doing well. Sure, it's like And I'd gone to a very tough high school in Keep Cleveland. them out of jail. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they were quite on the brink of jail, yeah, but okay. it was either that or go in the army or go yeah. into the, go get a, a job delivering yeah. groceries. Yeah. So I was one of the, the brightest students. So I went to a place called Virginia Military Institute. Wow. Which was a lot tougher than I thought was it would like be. Was that like West Point? Yeah. So everyone was in uniform? Yeah, and- yeah. But I, I, I played sports there. And I, I, which I was, sport? Baseball, and I, I got into cross country, which is a tough sport. Running? Running. Yeah. About five miles. That was a tough sport. And yeah. Indoor tracks. So well, you I, look like you're in pretty good shape now. I still am. I, I still I try to be, and I'm still hoping to maybe if they, uh, you know, have a little expand, a couple of more expansion teams. I've given up hopes of playing in the big leagues, oh, but so, a couple yeah. of years sure. in the minors, yeah. maybe. Why not? It's never or, too uh, too late for that kind of thing. I, I, double A or something. <laughs> Live that dream. Yeah, I don't want to be a DH, but first base, maybe play five <laughs> or six innings and take the rest of the day off. That would be fun. But then, you know, I always want to be a baseball player, but then you go out, first you see all these terrible injuries. Yeah. Have. Then you realize there's guys that aren't on the first string, and they come out to the ballpark every day and sit on that bench for nine innings. Yeah. And uh, then they're, they're going to be sent down. Then they're sent down. Then they're hitting 170. 
I said, I don't know, that, that wouldn't have been, I don't think I would have liked to have done that. I'm kind of glad I never got wrapped. You know, as a kid, you always think you'll hit 350 and be sure, a big star. be a hero. How hard can it be? You yeah. Know, throw the ball over the plate. Focus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you end up going in the military, or how did that I did. Out? Uh, which uh, which branch? Um, I, I, Army? It was, oh, it was the Army, and oh, I yeah. think it was artillery, And because at the time there was a draft. Um, so I'm taking it you didn't have to do anything if you think well, it was artillery. That, uh, it what? No, I did. There was no you know firing guns or anything. I got on uh, in some special thing, but I got to play. I was sent to Germany. Yeah, and I played on the went out for the baseball team, and I made the baseball team, so it paid off. And the good thing is, we're stationed in Germany and went all around all these different cities um, playing baseball. You know, Berlin and Hamburg. Oh, wow. and, so what was year was that? You think? Oh, it was in the early sixties. Okay, and uh, I don't think there's any military in Germany anymore. I'm sure the Germans hated us. Well, they all used to be. It seemed like a lot of people spent time there. Elvis was there. I mean, uh-huh. Germany was a big base That's, for yeah, us, right? Yeah, we occupied Germany. And so uh, it was a little pre-Vietnam. You didn't end up uh, going anywhere? Was, or you no, did? I didn't go. And then I came back, and I said, now, now what will I do? Yeah. I think I'll be an actor. That can't be too hard. You know, because you see him in the <laughs> movies. Was, they, <laughs> I can act, and I went to an acting school. You did? I did an acting school. But you go around in New York at the time, everyone... Had scene study. We're going to do scene study and, sure. and mime. And I said, well, I, I said, do you ever put on a show and invite uh, agents? Oh, no, no, no. We just study. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally found a place called Showcase <laughs> Theater. And I said, what do you do? He said, well, every 10 weeks. Yeah. We put, they were very theatrical. Yeah. And we put on a show. Uh-huh. Uh, the show was in their apartment. It was in there. They had a, up a <laughs> stage a, a in the living room. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a salon. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and we invite, uh, you know, professional people. So I said, this is for me. So uh, I, I got in there, and I, I did. And um, I, I find you can't really teach acting. Well, the best tool is to just get up and do scenes, and you can kind of tell yeah. if you're doing good or not. But sure. our acting teacher would drive me nuts. He was a, he was a, you'd get up, you'd memorize a scene, and you'd get up on stage, and you'd get one line out, and he'd stop you. Oh, God. All right, now, now I want some business. Do some, and I, I want to say, Jesus, let me just go through the scene once. <laughs> And, um, Some business. Yeah, Twitching. Business. Move, what are you move. doing? What is your intent here? Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, I met another guy who had a good sense of humor. We started joking around, and we saw an ad in the, in the trade paper. Uh-huh. You know, the trades in the New York uh, off Broadway show uh, is in development, like uh, backstage or for, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, the casting office says, please do not come in person. Do not send pictures. Do not phone. It's, why do they? Why are they even? <laughs> what, having what, so what are you supposed to do? Yeah. There was a, a ad. We're doing a show, yeah. comedy actors mm. wanted. So we went in. Uh, it was on Forty Fifth Street, a rehearsal hall, no longer there. And the guy said, uh, uh, "Do you have your own material?" We said, "No." He said, "Well, come back with a sketch." So every week we'd write a sketch and come back. And they never put on the show. But finally, we had so many sketches. The guy said, "Let's put on a show with just you guys." So we did a show. Who was the other guy? Uh, his name was Vic Greco. Still in the game? I, I no, I don't think so. I I has I don't. He he's in New Jersey or New York. Huh. And um, but a very funny man, and he, he made me laugh. And we was, uh, he was. Uh, they said he was like Ned Sparks. If you remember that, a guy with a cigar. He was yeah, a very oh, yeah. sour face. Uh-huh. And um, it made me laugh. And eventually we got an agent, and we you know just developed from there. We did got you on, do the show? The show they never did it. We did our own show. Yeah. 
And then we started working the coffee houses in the village, Together. which was the big thing. Yeah, we'd get up and do. We just do sketches, which was, I guess, it was unusual. We never talked to the audience. So, like the bottom line, and uh, the uh, what else was down the village? Uh, uh, the the village gate or anything like oh, that? Oh, the village gate. We played uh, the gaslight. Oh yeah, Bob sure. Bob Dylan played. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who was around the scene then? So what well, I think Bob about? Dylan was working there. Peter, Paul, and Mary. You saw uh, them? Uh, no. Uh, who did I? See? A lot of folk singers and not uh, many comedians. Was Woody Allen I'm walking? Trying to around? think. Yeah, he was, but I think we were a little after him. Yeah. Uh, so was this like '69 or? Something? Oh no, no, earlier than that. It was the early. Uh, wait, middle '60s. So it must have been pretty crazy. Down it there. was great. It was just a great time. We played in a little club called the Cafe Chino, mm -hmm. which I thought was named after Cappuccino or something. The guy's name was Joe Chino. Uh -huh. And every week he'd do an original little one-act play. Uh -huh. it's a tiny, and now it's a restaurant. You go and it's a little tiny place, but we did, they did a one-act one act plays where we do our sketches. And, Get and a good it, response? Oh, great. You know, we, we had very kind of offbeat stuff, new, new stuff. Do you remember uh, any of it? Oh, yeah. I, I'm still pulling some of it out in... Uh, and doing it place so really a, a little uh well we had a I'm, one that's easy to describe but I, I would come out and say to the audience or i just say i've put my wristwatch on my ankle and i'm gonna wait to have someone come by and get him to ask me what time it is yeah. so i'll pull up my pant leg and then say oh look it's 4 30 and here comes a guy now and the guy came by he's yeah. waiting for a bus i'd say gee it's a nice time of day it's getting darker <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I said, I'm waiting for this bus. Is it late? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I said, what time is the bus supposed to come? supposed to be here at 5. And finally, I said, look, do you have any idea what time it is now? And he pulled up his pant leg, and his watch was, it's 4.15, and that was the blackout. Yeah. Um, and we did some stuff in clubs. I remember one club owner, we auditioned, and afterwards he said to our manager, it's obscure humor. They're doing obscure humor. Because also, at the time, there were uh, the popular was after M martin and lewis mm -hmm. so there were a lot of acts where the the guy played a trumpet and then the other guy did the comedy hey hold on there right. what are you doing so you got a wacky guy and a yeah. straight guy so i think one of our problems was uh neither one of us was the wacky guy they're just little sketches right right them. it wasn't a, a team dynamic it no. was just a vignette in one sketch uh, yeah. i'd be the dumb guy in another sketch sure and then uh, so it was hard to sell that act as a nightclub act in it, some it way. was and we would we would go into a club and bomb and go to the next club and just be great. We went into the old Hungry Eye in San Francisco. And so just, you really toured with this? So you yeah, guys, yeah. Okay. And at the time, there were only about six comedy clubs. It was the Hungry Eye in San Francisco, the Gate of Horn in Chicago. All uh -huh. these places are gone now. The Bitter End in New York, which is still, still there. Still there, kind of. Uh, and there are five or six others, and we'd make that that tour. And the two of you. Yeah. And you did what? You, you had what? You had like about an hour or what? Yeah. And we have didn't an improvise opener? at all. We we'd open for some acts. Other times, other acts would open for us. Huh? And um, you you don't remember who uh, like who was around or any of those opening acts or Miriam Makiba? Does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. She Very was, uh, pretty, kind of African. Yeah, she's a folk singer, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think yeah she yeah. passed away. Yeah. And one day, uh, this is not a censored show. Is I just want to no, tell you, you can, what some. We were in in Washington D.C. in a club. We were rehearsing, and we yeah. were very ambitious. We go into a club, and yeah. we, we we opened one night. Yeah, and the next day we're in the club going coming up with new material, and a guy came in and he was watching us. He kept watching us, and he said, "I loved your show last night." I said, "Oh yeah, it was pretty funny." Uh, he said, "I love that Miriam Makiba." I said, "Oh yeah, she was good." He said, "I'd really like to fuck her." <laughs> 
We said, oh, yeah, well, she was very good. And, I mean, we thought he was there to watch our, our show. So anyway. Um, like you were going to say, like, oh, okay, let me go get her. Yeah, Maybe, yeah, yeah, we'll put in a word for you. But we'd, we'd go in a club that the, the Smothers Brothers had played in. And I'd seen their act, and they were so good with music. And I yeah. felt, geez, all we did is the, these sketches. But people still will come up to me and remember. We had a sketch where two mathematicians were, were, were having coffee and talking about Bernoulli's theory of, of, uh, of physics and yeah. talking about the big, uh, the big uh, uh, convention of mathematicians. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the last year it was wonderful because uh, Professor So-and-so requested once, twice, three times a lady. <laughs> that was a, but then it turns out we're time to pay the check. Let's split the check. Yeah. And it was twenty four fifty, and we couldn't figure out what, what right, half right. of twenty four fifty yeah, yeah, was. Yeah. So we we left a tip. We'll leave ten percent, and we we walked out. And the waitress comes out, and says, "Professors, oh dear, they left me a hundred dollars." You know, it was a, <laughs> yeah, dumb guys. <laughs> uh, and I'd forgotten that, but some someone reminded me of it. And you know, we I'm still part of a sketch troupe. My wife and I run it. We do. We just did a show last night at the Second City Theater in Hollywood. And about once a month, we we have a, a group of about forty people, and at any one time, there's fifteen, twenty. And we do an evening of sketches. And every once in a while, someone will remind me to say, you know, I saw you in the village. Remember that thing you did about the m- mathematicians? I said, really? No, I don't remember. Then I'd, I'd think about it, and then I'd rewrite it, and we'll do it. And then they go over very well. We did one last night that I pulled out of the thing. It's a ship, you know, one of those ships where they're all rowing, heaving, and there's sure. a guy whipping them. Yeah, it's a slave ship, I a think. A slave ship. <laughs> and um, the guy says, he, he. Yeah. So we say, we're, it's time to mutiny. Are you ready? Are you with me? We're going to take over the ship. So mutiny, we grab the, the slave driver, we tie him up, and we get back to the oars, and everyone's out of focus. You know, heave, ho. No, you've got to pull together. Land is one mile north by northeast. So I said, well, well, no, we need someone to lead us. I cannot do it. Who can? And someone says, let's set him to it, the guy who was whipping us. So yeah, we yeah. let him free, and he starts whipping us. And I say, ah, oh, free. We're free at last. But it's a good audience. You know, it's a, a, a strong sure, piece. Sure, sure. And this was something that was something you wrote with Greco. Actually, it was something I did in the next group. I I, I went to Second City in Chicago for right, a so year. So you you toured. You started. We New York toured for a couple they, of years, and it's tough when you're working with one guy. Now you work alone. Yeah. So when you go off the stage, if you bomb, you I don't know. You, you probably very seldom bomb, but if you do, you probably hopefully say, "Ah, oh, it was the audience," or it's you know, screw it, you have friends. Yeah. If it's a two-man team, you kind of think the other guy screwed up. Why yeah. did you screw up? So it gets tense. Yeah. So you need more people to blame. S- yeah. <laughs> so eventually, <laughs> uh, we we broke up. Yeah. Now, I wrote all the material. Oh, there you go. I wrote all the material, and we never wrote it down, and we did it. But uh, he was unhappy. He had a wife and kids, and he had a lot of responsibilities. We broke yeah. up. I got hired to go to Second City. It's a long story. I, we, we went in, uh, I went in an audition with Robert Klein. When well, now, was, well, how big was Second City then? I mean, it was. Where, it wasn't as big as it is today. It had opened on Broadway. It got a big acclaim. Alan Arkin, Barbara Harris, Severn Darden. Was Ed Asner involved? Or was Ed, that... that was before that. Okay. Shelley Berman and Ed Asner was called the Compass Players. Okay. Um, I did not know them, but the, in the early sixties, they came to Broadway with a review. With a review, uh-huh. and it was the smartest stuff you'd ever and seen. You saw it? Oh my God! Alan Arkin was, was in it. Alan Arkin, Barbara Harris. Smart. They all had beards, and they were talking about... Uh, but it was all comedy. All comedy. Because Alan Arkin is hilarious. Oh, yeah. And um, so eventually they were casting him, and one year they, uh, I teamed up with another guy and another guy to try to get the old act going. It just it wasn't working the same. Same bits? Yeah. 
And they'd... Um, was there moments where you're like, I miss Greco? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. No one else was uh, as funny. Because he kind of built the group. He didn't want to work with right. me. Um, uh, so I got I went down to audition for for Second City. They'd seen us when we'd been yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. So they went, and I said, I told my agent, I can't do that stuff. It's very bright. It's, uh, it's talk about Kierkegaard and uh, too, too so I went down. Uh, luckily, I, I just hit a vein there where I, I got up. They, they get two of us up. We improvise, and they offered me a job. And of course, <clears throat> well, I'm not sure. I don't you know. I'm doing something else. So they they gave me a week to think about it, uh-huh. and I went begrudgingly. I had the greatest time of my life. I went for six months, and then they extended me for another six months with Robert Klein. It was, uh, so this was the uh, the crew? Bob Klein, yeah. Uh, David Steinberg. Wow. From Canada? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's still, uh, he does, he, he, he's a it's director, a director now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Bob Klein's still doing comedy. You talk to Robert Klein still? I, not as much as I like to. He lives in New York. I'm sure. a big fan. I yeah. love him. Um, <clears throat> Who else was in that crew? No one you'd know of. Um, Sandra Karen, who's living in England, Judy Grobart, wonderful. She was like an Elaine May, very goofy, funny, uh, uh, and, and she married a guy named Bob Dishy, a former uh-huh. Second City guy. Uh-huh. Uh, then I went back to New York. What year was that now? Where were we at? This was uh, 70. Okay, so Klein had not done stand-up yet. No, and, and I influenced him. He, he would In the dressing room, he would do these funny bits. He'd always do it, get to be Christmas, and he'd lean up against the wall and say, what is Christmas to me? I got no mother. I got no father. You know, do yeah, James yeah, Dean. Yeah. And he'd make me laugh. And, and I'd, and every night I'd come in and, Bob, Christmas, are you looking forward to Christmas? It's like a yeah, kid. Yeah, you setting him up. Yeah. Christmas, what is Christmas to me? <laughs> yeah. And then one he'd expand it. So one day I said, Bob, he was Bob then. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I guess it was another Bob Klein. Oh. And so he had to change his name eventually to Robert. And he told a very funny story. He was an actor, struggling actor story. Got a call. Bob, you've got to come in. I've been looking for you. Where are you? Yeah. Where have you been? So he said, oh, okay. So he went to the agent's office. She looked at me. She said, oh, no. I, I, I meant Bob Klein. Uh, the other, said, yeah, 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 the other Bob Klein. Um, and I would say, Bob, you must do this on stage because I, I couldn't do stand-up. I'm very easy in sketch. I, I'm awkward in stand-up. I said, you got to do stand-up. Yeah, he says, I tried it. And so about a year or two later, I went back, and he was in a play called The Apple Tree. Or uh-huh. Something. And uh, I, I went out with him to uh, uh, to, the, to the stage deli. Yeah. And I said, Bob, what have you ever done about your stand-up? He yeah. Said, Funny you ask. Uh, Jack Rollins, the manager, uh, is is managing me, and he wants me to do stand-up. In fact, I'm going down to the Improv tonight to do it. Come on down on to Forty Fourth Street, yeah. the original Improv. Bud Friedman. So uh, where um, not Ethel Merwin, Bette Midler was a waitress. Sure. Sure. And, um, Andy Kaufman was probably yeah, there at that yeah. time, or maybe a little before him, huh? Because uh, they still had a cabaret sort of feel, right? At, the, yeah. at that time, were there singers still? Yeah, waitresses no? would get up and oh, sing. Oh, boy. And uh, I don't know if Andy... I, I, I think it was before his more time. More aware of Andy Kaufman in L.A. at yeah. the improv. Um, but, it's, so ma- it's amazing how much you've seen. So you you sort of... Uh, influence uh, Robert Klein a little bit to do stand up. Yeah, yeah. And at Second City now, for before you went to Second City, you were primarily working from scripted material and now yeah. you know you're sort of known as as uh, one of the great improvisers. Yeah, so which, where did that happen? Uh well, at Second City everyone's you know, improvised. So then I got a call, they were putting together a, a comedy group and I was in a, an off-Broadway play now in the village. Uh-huh. Uh um, um Little Murders which was directed by Alan Arkin. So you worked with him. I worked with him as a director. He was such a great director. He'd sit there. He's very noncommittal. He'd look at the, the stuff. He said, this is a great show. 
He said, I don't care what the, the – he says, fuck, fuck the, the critics. It's a great show. <laughs> and about three weeks in rehearsal, he said, I don't know what to do. We're ready, we're ready to open. Yeah, and someone had to leave to do something. Go, go. We're all we're ready. And I loved him. He was so supportive. And one night, uh, at a preview, Mike Nichols came in. Now, this oh, was the wow. peak of Mike Nichols. It was now directing. I, oh, so I'm the graduate? there, yeah. I think he'd just done Catch-22. So it was like 1971 or something? 71 is when it was. Okay. Yeah. And he came to see it, and we were at a party afterwards, and Mike Nichols came up to me. And I said, hey, I really, really enjoyed your stuff. Where have you been? And I said, well, I've been doing sketch stuff. And he says, yeah, I really enjoyed your performance. In this one scene, uh, have you thought of being more something like concise? Uh -huh. And I said, that's a good, good idea. I'll think about it. I didn't know what he meant. <laughs> So the next day, I, I, I said to Alan, it was a rehearsal, I, I said, Mike Nichols said, should I be more uh, concise? Thinking, Alan would, would say, know. oh, of course. <laughs> He's, how dare Mike Nichols give you a direction? I'm the director. You're doing it just right. So I, I said, boy, does he have confidence. Um, so anyway, I got into a group call. They were getting together down at the um, uh, bitter end. Yeah, called the Ace Trucking Company. I uh -huh. said, yeah, that'll be fun. We're going to do sketches after the show at midnight. I said, that's great because I'm doing this play right down the street. I still have some sketch ideas from Second City. So we get up and we do ske these sketches that I would I would come up with the sketches, but the guys in the group were so funny, they'd, they'd flesh them out, and then we'd improvise. And I guess that's how I... But then we, we started getting jobs, and the guy who, uh, I, I'm failing with names here, uh, Dave Fry. Remember uh -huh. Dave Fry? I, I, I don't know if he I... He did, he was the Nixon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was famous for the Nixon. Right. Uh, his manager came to see us. Yeah. And we were thrilled, and he took us over, managers, got us on the Sullivan Show. Uh -huh. We didn't even have a name, and we will be fine. How many we came, were there of you? There were four guys and a girl. Isn't that amazing that that, that, was, that happened on late night television? Yeah. Because uh, you would never see that now, that, that Ed Sullivan would say, now here's a group of kids. Yeah. They're doing a little thing and whatever. They, and, yeah, there were no, they, but we started, then there were a whole bunch of improv sketch groups. I know. With people, funny names. Oh, my God. New York Stickball Coming, uh, Outer Space Baseball. I had no idea. Yeah. And we did it. We did very well. We got we did Sullivan. We got on the Tom Jones show, and this went on for several. We we, we would do a show. It'd be uh, uh, like forty minutes of set material. Then yeah. we'd open up for improvs. We'd ask for for. Uh, we find the best thing. What are your uh, pet peeves? Yeah. And people, said, my pet peeves are the uh, so and so. We do a little improv about it, and it was a fail safe thing because if the improv wasn't going well, one of the guys put on a little uh, tiara, and he had a wand, and he walked out. He said, I'm the bad improv fairy, and I claim this improv is over. And I get a huge laugh. Uh -huh. And then we close with a set piece. And uh, the next thing I know, I was being asked. I did a lot of things, and um, I got a call from Christopher Guest once to come down. And my my manager, you've got to go down right away. I said, well, I'm doing something. You know, well, he wants to put you in a movie. I said, well, you know, what's the hurry? Well, no, he wants to see you today. So I I knew Christopher Guest. I knew who he was. I'd been in Spinal Tap with Christopher Guest. Right. But what happened to uh, Fernwood Tonight in that period? That was late 70s, so that must have come later. Yeah, uh, Fernwood Tonight. I mean, like, because that... Martin Mull. That's right. I skipped about six years there. Yeah, but that's like... Uh, the prison years. Which uh, are... Because that sort of set a new standard for television comedy. Yeah. Because uh, I have vague memories of that, because I was about 13 or 14, 
and it was on late, right? Wasn't yeah. it? Yes, but, it was. It but, was syndicated, so it was on 11 o'clock here, 7 o'clock somewhere else. And I was still a kid, uh-huh. but I just remembered that there was this buzz around something different, that something uh-huh. different yeah. was happening. Oh. And it, it was, it, it, what was the the premise of it? it? It was, if you remember. A local talk show. A local right. show in a little town called Fernwood. Right. Which was the home of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. And that became a spinoff, correct? Someone said, wouldn't it be funny if they had a cable t- TV show in this town? What would it be like? Now, three or four people have talked to me and said it was their idea. I don't know whose idea it was. But they called me to come in and, and, and do it. And you were the sidekick to Martin Mull. I was the sidekick. He was a hilarious guy. Oh, my God. I I didn't know him, but I'd gone to see him in a club. And I said, boy, this guy is is very sharp. You know, he didn't take easy, he didn't make easy references. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they said, you'll be the the Ed McMahon. I said, well, I don't don't want to be, that to be a cliche. Really? Did you? And I went in, I said, you know, I started naming people that would do better than me. And they said, no, no, everyone says you'll be right. Look, if you don't want to do it, just come in for a week during the rehearsals, yeah. the warm-up rehearsals, till we get someone else. I said, okay. So sit in. So I sat in, and it was we laughed so hard, and it was so funny. The <laughs> how, um, how did you develop that character? Like when now, because with Fernwood tonight, I mean, at some point, like this always fascinates me with uh, with uh, improv actors and guys who who do uh, who do character work. Is that there's some you you. Did, I don't know if you, if I've been able to get anyone to really define it, but there's some thing you do that you know is funny. That there's a, the, I mean, I guess it's just something happens from from. But when you yeah. improvise, you've just got this this tone. Like I think in Fernwood tonight, you kind of played it uh, a little like dumber than you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play a clueless, a uh, kind of a clueless guy who has no. It's like almost like the what me worry guy, right? Which I love to do because I'm just the opposite. I worry about everything. Right, uh, things are you know. Oh God, what happened? Like today, I just had such a day. I've I've, I've changed my accountant. Mm-hmm. I, my first accountant retired unexpectedly. Tax period last year was a nightmare. The new people, they're just yeah. I got a new accountant. I'm suddenly getting a call from some uh, some company uh, that yeah, I've got to have some kind of tax thing in by October 16th. So I had to rush in. I got this new accountant. I said, "What? We're just going to leave to go out of town for three weeks." I said, what's the worst if I don't get this thing in? There's no tax owed. Yeah. He said, well, the penalty is $100 a day. I said, oh, God, we're going to be gone 21 days. I yeah. don't want to pay $2,100. So I had to rush over to that. I got home. My wife can't find her passport. Oh, geez. Yeah. No, what, yeah. my, what did you do with my passport? Yeah. I don't know. So then I came here. I got lost coming here. So I worry about everything. Right. So I'd love to be the kind of guy who just, you know. Right, I don't have a passport. <laughs> I'll go through customs and I'll tell them who I am. Yeah. I don't have a driver's license. Hi, I'm Fred. I'd love to be that kind of guy. But you're not. I'm not. So <laughs> you, I just uh, you hide it very well. <laughs> I would yeah. never have assumed that about you. That you're just to- toiling in panic oh, all the time. No. I'm constantly expected to be be T-bone. I was coming over. It was quite a rainy day. And, yeah. Uh, Constantly expecting a truck to come out and get t- oh, t- yeah. yeah, I worry about that. But I worry about that when I walk into my house. For some reason, I have this concern that I'm going to walk into my house, I'm going to open the door, and someone's just going to push me or just yeah. run into I, But it's crazy. Do you ever have that panic well, where you're sleeping and you're going to get hit in the head? Sleeping? Yeah. There's a new one for you. Not- where I'm just laying in bed and someone's going to come and hit me in the head. Now you put that in my mind. <laughs> no. 
But you know what? I'm nervous when when my wife is uh, is away. Yeah, I'm never nervous at home. But when your wife is gone, it's just me. And I'll, then I'll start locking the front door. No guns in the house. No guns. No, no, no guns. No, I got a knife. Or what am I going to do? Or a bat? What are you going to do? <laughs> you gotta... And I don't think I'd use it on some. I think I'd reason with him. Look, <laughs> I could never be a cop. I don't think. Yeah, you know, I watch these cop shows. Yeah. And the poor guys, you know, they're always finding someone with a little marijuana. And the yeah. poor guy's saying, oh, man. I think I'd say, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, when they beg the cop, no, no, please, man. I yeah. say, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, go ahead. I think what I'd arrest are the guys that don't signal. I'll give my ticket to the guys that don't. I hate yeah, that when they don't signal a sure. turn. Yeah. And you're sitting behind them, and then they put on the turn. Um, that so, I might give them a ticket. But the poor guy with a little marijuana. Yeah. Is marijuana legal? or It seems to be legal. It's not legal. Always, you can buy some down the street. You yeah, need well, some? No, no, thanks. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> That was never your bag. But they're always arresting someone for marijuana. I don't know. What's yeah, I, I don't know if it happens as much as it used to. Not with these dispensaries everywhere. But like well, back in the '60s, it wasn't your thing either. Hanging no, around. I never really did. No, I never. Yeah. I took. Mar- I was not. Didn't. I took not marijuana once. Yeah. I, I didn't like to inhaling because I'm not a smoker. I'll smoke yeah. an occasional cigar, but inhaling marijuana it hurt my lungs. Yeah. I took. Um, Coke once. Yeah. Doc Severinson. We were doing the Tonight Show. He came home and he gave us a little bit, everyone a little bit of Coke in yeah. the hallway. And I stiffed, sniffed it up my nose yeah. and everything swelled up and it yeah. felt like a lot of, I get a lot of respiratory problems. Oh. I said, no, I don't need this. <laughs> you didn't get the good part. <laughs> I did not like it. <laughs> uh, That's so, so funny. So back in the day, in the 70s, like was it, everyone was hopped up, huh? Everyone was hopped up but me. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many situations were you in where everybody was just... Like, la, 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 la. And a lot of times I didn't know it. I thought everyone was having a good time and having fun. I was having a good time. I will... Uh, I will uh, I'll have a drink or two. You know, yeah. I, I like a drink and mm-hmm. uh, occasional cigar. And uh, Now, what it concerns me, because we're flying. Yeah. Where are you going? Cons- uh, well, we're actually going... Well, I'm doing a job in, in London, which should be very exciting. Um, it's... it's uh, it's with the people who did Whose Line Is It Anyway. Uh-huh. What it is, they're going to have a celebrity. I'm going to be the host interviewing the celebrity. And there's going to be four or five improvisers. And, you know, well, I went to my first day, I went to high school and I forgot my pants fell down. I'd say, hey, guys, let's reenact that scene where Tom Hanks walked into high school. He didn't have a belt on. Oh, his, I get it. So it's and almost, then they'd act it out. Mm-hmm. It's like what they, they call ASCAT over at the UCB is where they have somebody. Do a short monologue, and then the improvisers sort of take off. It's from like there. that. Yeah. Yes, interesting. And I hope they don't hear about that because then they'll get. I, I'm so surprised they asked me. They, and I said, "Gee, this is great." I'll, I did a show like it a couple of years ago in New York. Yeah. Um, and it, it was it, the improvisers. You have such respect for the guys. I mean, they just get up and improvise. Some of them very quick. Oh my God. So anyway, we're going over to do. I'll be there two two weeks, but my wife we're going to go to Berlin for a few days beforehand because we were there a year ago, two years ago, and we're only there a couple of days and really loved it. It's a very unique city. Uh-huh. It's um, it's almost all demolished. I'm a big fan of World War II. I love all the history of World War II. Yeah, and uh, there's a few buildings left, and uh, the the Brandenburg Gate is there, and uh, and now you can you, go to both sides without any you problem. Can, yeah. And all they talk about now is where the wall used to be, the wall. Yeah. And I think that's so no one asks, well, where was Hitler? <laughs> they yeah. don't want to talk about Hitler. <laughs> They'll talk about the wall. Oh, so look at that. The but wall coming see, down yeah. erased Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to go by, and I didn't get the chance to see where his bunker used to be. They built uh, apartments over it. Really? That's got to be a weird place to live. It must be. I well, think If I, you believe in that kind of stuff. I think, I have a feeling that people who live there know, and it's kind of weird. It would have been better if it was like a Jewish retirement hospital. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> 
something that some would be significant, a yeah. significance. Look, there's some history to this. Yeah. <laughs> A lot. I'll give you a good price. What? Well, what could possibly be? No, the bunker was well, if right. That's where he ended. Then this is where we start. That's right. Yeah. That's where they won. So, all right. So Fernwood tonight where was it really like? Because I remember that there was. It just felt like that at that time. You know, things were changing in comedy. There's a little more freedom. It was a little yes. weirder. And there seemed to be a new crew in town, and like because SNL started, uh, you know, not right long after that, that time. Yes, and it, it just seemed like the whole thing was busting open in the mid to late seventies. For yes, and, and you were part of that crew. That's right. And then along came Monty Python. We were in London. We got to go to London to do uh, the Tom Jones show. And one night we're all sitting around at a dinner party. We what was on. he like? Tom Jones could have been greater. I loved his voice. I yeah. love his music. He loves these old fifties songs. Yeah, he picks these old songs. And they bring him over. He's just a blue collar guy. Yeah. And they put him in one of our sketches, and he'd stand there, and he'd we'd do it for him once. He'd get in, and he'd play along. He knew his lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Complete gentleman. I I just I just love him, and um, uh, I'm a bi- always a big fan. We were on the show once. Little Richard was on the show. Ah. And there we were, five Americans sitting in this in this uh, rehearsal room. There's Little Richard, and we were all trying to be cool. Yeah. And Little Richard is up playing. Please send me some loving. Yeah. And Tom Jones gets up to sing a duet with yeah. him. The only one I could think of who could hold his own next to Little yeah, Richard. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the, the rehearsal, uh, Richard, could we have a photo with you? Oh, sure. Everyone won't want to have a photo with me. He was just a great guy. Yeah. And then a funny story. Uh, my wife and I went out for dinner, and I'm still kicking myself. The next day they said, you should have stuck around. Little Richard invited us up to his hotel room. I said, oh, I can't believe it. Yeah. We were up there. We had drinks. Little Richard went in the other room and brought out a book of just pictures of women's vaginas. Uh-huh. Can you meet Little Richard? Huh? They said it was so weird, and he showed us these pictures. <laughs> and <laughs> so then he said, "Maybe I shouldn't have been there. Maybe I." Well, maybe, I was, but just to sit in a room with with Little, Little Richard, Richard looking at vaginas, <laughs> with him probably saying like, "Why can't I like these?" <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get myself to like me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not what you assumed about him, but maybe he had a fascination. But it's just weird when they're just separate from the body, perhaps, just vaginas. Yeah, that that was the weird thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a party. That little Richard, huh? (laughs) He throws a party. (laughs) And then the guys, then we were were coming back to L.A., and the Mm -hmm. guys were going to Stockholm. Mm. And uh, I couldn't go. My wife wanted me to come, and we just had a baby. So I, I flew home. And I said, get me some of that uh, pornography. Is it Stockholm or Sweden? Sweden. Sweden, Sweden, Sweden Swedish, where they have... Yeah, the Swedish. So they brought me a pornographic that. magazine. My wife didn't like that. She, is, uh, <laughs> the next day I said, what happened to it? I threw it out the window. Yeah. I said, oh, no, uh, my pornography. Uh, one pornography I had. I should have <laughs> gone to Little Richard's room. <laughs> so at that time, so Monty Python was popular. Well, oh, we tuned on and here's this Monty Python. Right. We'd never seen anything like it. Because they were only in England at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And then we decided, we said, you know what we should do? We should get hold of their material and com- do some of their material and our material on an American TV show. So we got our agent. We tried to talk in American, and then we took it down to some some network to buy it. And we sh- we showed them a, a Monty Python, and they looked at it. And they were they didn't laugh. They said, "Oh, it's like Laugh In." And they said, "Oh, they just didn't get Monty Python." How could they compare Monty yeah. Python to Laugh In? So a year later, we heard the Time Life bought Monty Python, and then the rest is, uh, is history. Did you ever meet those guys? Or? I met Eric Idle. Uh, through doing um, uh, Best in Show, I did worked at uh, my partner in that show, uh, judging the the dog show, was Jim Piddick, a wonderful yeah. English actor. You were hilarious in that. Thanks, yeah. 
And he, we were at a party, and he knows Eric Idle. He knows all these guys. So I met Eric Idle, and I'll sit. And, and, and I don't know whether it's more exciting to sit with Little Richard or Eric Idle. When you realize what Eric Idle, he wrote, not only was with Monty Python, but wrote the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, yeah, all yeah. these. He was the guy who did it. And he's just a regular, he's, he's a, you know, just a Brit. Uh, we sit and talk for a long time, and uh, he tried to get me to do um, Spamalot. He wanted yeah. me to be Spamalot, right, sure. and I couldn't do it. And uh, I would not have been as good. Who they use the guy from uh, Rocky Horror Show? I Tim could not. Curry? Have, Tim Curry was it, and then they wanted me to replace him. And I said, I, I thought I just can't. I was so flattered they wanted me to do it. I couldn't do that. They, Tim Curry had a great voice. It's and, interesting that, like you know, throughout your career and uh, as you talk about it, that you you, you always sort of. Uh, there, there were like because in my mind, you know, working with Alan Arkin, yeah, you know, even for a little while, yeah, to me, it's like that must have been fucking mind blowing. It, it was great, yeah, and 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 then to see where he went and then where yeah. you went and you, you you both did all right, you're both yeah. very respected, but you still had this thing where it's like with comedians, like someone like Eric Idle, you're yeah. like, oh my god, it's Eric Idle, and you yeah. feel that you're a fan of his work, yeah, and you don't want you try to you joke for a minute or two and he jokes and after a while you say, let me just have a serious conversation with this guy <laughs> yeah yeah he's probably here to all the jokes right nothing i can say can make him laugh he's very nice if i say something funny, he'll laugh. but then i get off on another subject we talk about people in england and uh, you know now was the real people thing because i i definitely have conscious memories from that real people was interesting i got a call one day from george slaughter sure who had and, done speaking of laughing laugh and, and everything else he's like, george slaughter yeah. what yeah i'm doing this show called real people i saw you on uh, fernwood tonight and you you talked to crazies uh, like they're normal, and that's what I want to do. And I said, "Well, okay." So he but he, he wanted real down, crazies. He wanted, yeah, he got real crazies. And I've always wanted to talk. You know, if you if you find someone on the street who's nuts, or, yeah. You, I try to make a real conversation with them to see what what they're. I always have a feeling they have something in their mind that they're trying to express. I found out that most of them don't. But he he told me about the show. Yeah, I they, said, if they had a little more focus, they probably wouldn't. Yeah. be talking to the yeah. wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> So he said, he told me about the show, yeah. and it was NBC, yeah. and it was going to be six. And I said, well, okay. Um, so I did six of them, and it wasn't quite as cutting edge as I thought. Yeah, because it seemed like for you, uh, to it didn't really, you weren't able to use your chops. Yeah, and then I found out I was going to, doing a lot of stories, and he was editing. The, the, I, had a, I had a friend who, who was an editor on the show. And he said, I saw the funniest stories come in, and when they came out, they cut you so much. And then the show would always end up with, it's time has come to say goodnight. We want to, to do, and God bless. And it was a little too American pie and American. And my wife said, hey, you don't want to do that show. Don't do that. So you only did six? I, no, I did six. And after a couple of years, then, of course, the show skyrocketed. They, it was they, you, Skip Stevenson, Byron Allen, and who else? Uh, not. Uh, um, Wasn't Byron Allen? What was he Not on? For, I think Byron did come on. Um, Bill Rafferty. Yeah, Bill Rafferty. Bill Rafferty. From San Francisco. From San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And you know who else was on? The little guy. Sarah from, Purcell. Sarah Purcell. Yeah. The little guy from The Christmas Story, uh, who's now a big producer-director. Peter, Peter Billingsley. Okay. He's the cutest little kid, the most precocious little kid. And, of course, I left it, and uh, the show skyrocketed. In the After top you ten. left? Yeah, of course. <laughs> And um, about th three years in, I'm a big baseball fan, and I read an article about this ball player. He played in the major leagues with one arm. His name was Pete Gray. Mm -hmm. And I read a story that he was still lived in this little town in Pennsylvania and played golf. He was in, about in his 70s. I called George Slaughter. I said, George, I would love to come back to just do a story 
on this guy. He, he played for the St. Louis Browns in 1945. He's a one-armed player. He, he played he had like 240, 250. Yeah. But he, it was wartime, but he held his own. And George said, that's a great story. I used to be a member of the Not Whole Gang in St. Louis. He said, we'll, we'll line up the story. So then he called me a few days later, and he says, this guy doesn't want to do the story. He doesn't want to. They're doing a whole story of his life, and he's, he's a curmudgeon. He hangs out in a bar. But come on in. I'd like to talk to you about doing a few shows. So I went in, and I did about 10 or 11 shows that year. Oh, good. For very good money, and I, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me. It was good money, and I enjoyed myself. And then the next year, I said, you know, I'm going to do it the whole year. Really make good money. By yeah. good money, it was like, at the time, like... Fourteen thousand a week, which is probably like thirty, forty thousand a week now. Good money to me. And I said, "Yeah, let me do. It. I'll do it every year. I mean, I'll do the whole show." Suddenly, when when I wanted to do it, then he he, he told my agent, he says, "I want Fred. To, I want to sign a three year contract." So I said to my agent, "Well, let's just do one year at a time. Look, like I've been doing." My agent came back. She says, uh, "No, George wants three years." I said, "Well, um, I don't know. What should I do? Should I go back?" She said, "No, no. He's withdrawn the offer." That just was like it. That. Yeah. I think he wanted to teach me a lesson because I wanted to do a year, and uh, he got some other guy. Then he 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 fired Bill Rafferty. He he fired everyone on the show at one time. I was not aware of this, except P Sarah Purcell. Right. And NBC she wanted more money, and NBC said you have to pay her more money because she was really great, very pretty. And, and George says, if you want her, you pay her the extra money. <laughs> <laughs> now now I'm assuming you don't have a relationship with him anymore. I well, I actually do. Sarah Purcell and her husband invited my, my me and my wife. George and his wife down to their their club in Santa Monica. I said, "What am I going to talk to about George George with George Schlatter?" Did you ever ask him whether or not he screwed you to teach you a lesson? I think he knows, but but to, to me, you know, we went down and George had, had a drink or two. Ah, oh, Fred, you're my favorite comic. Uh -huh. This is my favorite guy, and I think he sincerely means it. He did. He, someone once described George. He says he'll love you for six months and then turn on you and fire you. But he's a big he's a big guy in the industry, and we had dinner, and his wife is so pretty, former showgirl, and um, we had a nice evening, and a great. We got to get together, Fred. Yeah, damn. Yeah, we, we kept recalling yeah. one one story I did for him, which was not the funniest story I did. I used to laugh at that a perpetual motion machine. I, I said, well, I had funnier stories yeah. than that. But he's um, he's he's a legendary guy, and he he really started all this reality. That was the first reality sure, show. Sure. Now, do you? But like in talking about that, I mean, you've been in show business a long time, uh -huh. and you've got you've done a lot of episodic work. Yeah. You've done hosting work. You've done movie work. Mm -hmm. Now, like in in talking about Schwader and in talking about these decisions that you made during your career, is there part of you that thinks like, ah, oh, fuck, I should have done? this? I always I make the wrong. I would never. Anytime I'm offered something, I find a reason I I, I can't do it. But uh, um, I, I've done something. I loved. I, I fought to get on SCTV. Remember that show? Sure. There was a Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy, Marty Short, right. John Candy. I saw them in Canada. Rick uh, Moranis. Rick Mor He he joined it. Uh, oh, those were later. They came from the 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 second city stage. Rick Moranis came in like a year or two into it. I love the show, and I'd run into Joe Flaherty, and I said, "Joe, I love that show. You've got to get me on that show." And, oh, you've got to. And I was on Real People at the time, yeah. so they thought I was the big because I was on Real People. They, yeah. they were on some little. So I did two or three of the shows, and it was great. I most of them were Canadian. Uh, no? I think they're all Canadian. Uh, yeah, uh, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene, Catherine Marty Short. So funny. Yeah, and I just did Martin Short. He just did a new special up in Toronto, and he had me do a part, and I went up to do that. So that's how you got in with them, because you get you, got you, in with that. How, how much did you do on Second City? Uh, I did two or three episodes.
And um, I really, I really, but I, my, I sincerely loved it. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, you're the greatest. I really loved it. And I wanted to be on it. I just loved every every character, and I could quote their lines back to them. Oh yeah, you're uh, a fan of this. No, stuff. really was, and yeah. I still am. I still have their two Christmas episodes, and I quote lines to Eugene Levy, and he doesn't know what I'm talking about. I said, Eugene, you did that on the Christmas episode. Oh yeah, right. Is that, that where you met Christopher Guest? Because I mean, um, it seems like he uses a lot of them too. Christopher, I met. When they did um, Spinal Tap, Spinal Tap, yeah, and I'd known him. I think he was an understudy when I did Little Murders in New York. He was just a, probably a young actor, and I didn't really know him. But I think Eugene Levy was more instrumental in getting me because Eugene writes with Christopher. Where did he come from, Christopher Guest? I mean, where? I mean, like, what was his background? He was an actor. You as, knew him in New York. As or? I found out, he was at a folk group in New York. He was uh-huh. a folk singer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He was an actor. He he was in the. Uh, What's the thing they did down? What were those? Catch anim- rising stars. What are those yeah. animals that go off the, uh, run off, follow each other? Hamsters. Oh, oh, lemmings. Right. The he lemmings. Was, okay. was in that. Lampoons. Lemmings. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. So he was there with all those guys. Was Belushi in, was in that. And yeah. Everybody was in. So he was part of that crew. And I should have known that. And Christopher Guest in, in, at Saturday Night Live. And I always heard a rumor when we did we were doing a Mighty Wind. Some told me that Christopher Guest is very. Um, uh, special about who he wants in his and, and i heard that mary travers from peter paul yeah. and mary had called him yeah and wanted to be in it and he said no so i asked him one time i said christopher i've got to ask you did mary travers call you and she, he says no that's not true he says but she did babysit for me <laughs> when he was a kid when he was a kid in that in that interesting i mean he, he knows so he grew up in it yeah um, because he's created this, uh, I don't know what the word for it is, oeuvre, or like Christopher Guest has created this, he seems to have invented this modern, like it's it's a mockumentary with Spinal Tap, but yeah. but some sort of amazing cinematic space for genius improvis, impro- improvisers. Yeah, and I think, and he's, he did, he, his first one, Waiting for Guffman, well the first one he was in, but it was Rob Reiner's with Spinal Tap, then he did Waiting for Guffman. You were in Spinal Tap. I was in Spinal Tap. He played the military guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was easy for you? It was very easy because I had a military background. <laughs> and, I just, and I thought no one's going to watch this movie. And I knew Michael McKean and, and uh, Harry Shearer and, and Christopher. And we we took a few – it was kind of – we knew what the lines were. So I was, you guys are all friends too? You and uh, so you, Harry and Michael McKean, I d- did know, and David Lander. They were in a group called the, the, the Credibility Gap. Right. That was a big one. That they played at the Improv and – my group was the Ace Trucking Company, and I thought their group, by our standards, they were so bright. And we had a, a, a job in the Midwest in Chicago and Indiana. We had about 11 dates, and two of our guys, one guy was off doing the, a movie, and another guy was doing, and we needed replacements. We had to cancel the group. I said, why don't the two of us combine with Harry Shear, Michael McKeon, and David Lander? Yeah. Combine our material. So I got to work with them and know them. And that was in the 70s. It was in the, uh, let's see, 70s, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I've remained very good friends with all of my I love had them. no idea that there was this big sort of sketch comedy improv scene that was really kind of <clears throat> thriving in a way in the 70s. Yeah. That there were several different groups in there. Yeah, they didn't improvise. They were they were very scripted, but they did very political stuff. And they did a version of Who's On First that, yeah. to me, is so f- much funnier than Abbott and Costello because it's a it's a, a promoter who comes into a newspaper to promote his rock. He's doing a rock show right. down in an auditorium, 
And the guy says, okay, let's start. Who's on first? And the guy says, oh, you already know, because the, the first group was who. Yeah. Who's on first? Oh, that's right. No, who? Yeah, who? Yeah. Who's on first? <laughs> right, right. And then he says, okay, who's the second group? Guess who? I don't know. who. Is, yeah. No, guess who? <laughs> and the third group was yes. Will you tell me the name of the closing act? <laughs> yes. And it's the brightest sketch. Yeah. Um, you always thought, you always seem to think that your sketches were not as smart as these other very, guys. No, that's not smart. But fi- strangely, when we combined our sketches, our sketches went funnier than theirs because theirs was a little more thoughtful than ours. Ours were more cartoons, uh-huh. people running on and off the stage uh-huh. and silly stuff. Um, but I've remained very good friends with all of Michael McKeon, uh, David Lander, uh, Harry Shearer, and uh, I'm such such a fan of all of theirs. So anyway, so Christopher Guest started doing these movies, Waiting for Guffman. The the company, Castle Rock, wasn't quite sure what they had. And then it got kind of an inside movie. And then they did uh, Best in Show, which was very uh, popular. And then Mighty Wind. Mighty you were, Wind. That, you were hilarious in that. Uh, now, yeah. i got to ask you, I, because to me, like the, there was a genius in the haircut. Yeah. I mean, was whose choice was that? My wife de- said, she showed me a group, a, a picture of an old group. I don't know if it's Poison. One of those 70s rock groups, these guys that were a little too old to look like that. Like the, that. Right. And he said, you should, she said, you should dye your hair blonde yeah. with dark roots. Yeah. So I said, okay, I think I'll ask Chris. And I said, no, I better not ask Chris because if it's not his idea, yeah. he won't like it. Right. So I got my hair dyed. Yeah. My, the guy who does my hair. Yeah. And I went in, and Christopher he said, oh, God, that's awful light. Yeah. And the, the hair people were very supportive. They said, oh, no, we can bring the color down. Right. And uh, it's funny. So, was, And I, I came in with uh, some suits I'd bought, some zoot suits. And you had that and little faux hawk thing. You had the, it was that was like for sticking. the next movie, which was a, a, a four-year consideration. At that time, and, and, and in Mighty Wind, I said, you know, I'd like to wear a little earring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A it's little earring. Like, yeah, I remember. And he said, no, no, no earring. So the next movie, the final movie, was For Your Consideration. He said, I think I'd like to dye your hair blonde, give you a faux hawk. And he said, I think add a little earring. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> then that was his idea. But that was so hilarious because this, that character to me, the, the whole, the, the, the washed up comic element of him. That was, yeah, that's what I thought. He, my character was supposed to be just a manager. Right. Of, um, of 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 a musical group, I said it might be funny if he had a sitcom. He was an ex comic, right? Right. Had one year on a sitcom thirty years ago and thought everyone remembered his catchphrases, and, uh, and that was all you. Yeah, it was all. Yeah, you and, came up with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What happened? What happened? <laughs> like, it, like no one remembered it. But there, there was that time in that period with uh, everyone, all those catchphrases on I those know, shows. It was so genius. Yeah, yeah. What happened? And actually, I the, yeah. weird confidence of repeating it. Even oh yeah, no one had any idea. And I think I started by saying, "Let's get it out of the way." What happened? Like everyone, <laughs> and everyone knew. Uh, so, guest so. creates an environment to where you can do that. Or yes, no? very much so. And he's very, you know, he tells you exactly what you have to get out, what information. Yeah, he, he gives you your character. And then I added a little to it with a background, and um, and then the first scene he sets the camera, and this is the interview, and it went for twenty minutes, and he just walked through the room. He says, "Well, that's half our movie right there," but he, he won't say it's funny. Was that funny? Uh, yeah, let's no, it's a. Then when you, he'll cut it down to maybe a minute, but he, you know, get what he want. And, and Bob Balaban's amazing. Bob is so wonderful. What a comedic wizard he, he is too, right? Well, he is the. The perfection he fits everything of improv. He doesn't try to top you. He doesn't try to stay. You know, he just becomes the character. And if he gets a laugh, if not, he just becomes that character. And that's the perfect example of of uh, 
of improv. Is that the trick to it when you're doing like, cause you know, I know that a lot of people, a lot, there's a lot of improv groups and this and that. And even back in the day, you guys were playing improv games, yeah. but, but, but that's, you know, that's stage, that's club improv. So when you do improvisational acting, what are some of the tools you bring to the table? What you've got to do is there's different times, as you say, club. And I, I, I cheat a little. I try to be, you know, you try to be funny. Hey, let's get a laugh here. Yeah. But the, the ideal is just to get in the scene and listen to the partner, just like you're. And I often tell people improv. If you don't think you can improvise, if you're starting out, get into a scene and don't try to be funny. Just talk to the person. You're going to the grocery store. Oh, I need milk. Get me. Then if something funny happens, oh, by the way, the last time you bought milk, it was sour. Um, and um, but I actually I liked it. So let's see if they got sour milk. See, I'm just yeah. You're coming up with it, but don't try to be funny. And then right. there's some people can take to it and be very funny. Some people are just funny being serious. So there's all. All different ways. I don't know if you really can teach him because well, you're because you're the kind of guy like you know you've probably worked with a lot of cats in your life where with improv actors they're they're they're, they're there's almost a different set of personalities for each one. Yeah. Like there's the brash guy who's yeah, gonna, very young. and but there's always the guy that underplays it. Yeah, and, and sort yeah. of kind of is a little stilted and comes with his own timing. Like yeah. the stuff in uh, Best of Show when you're sitting there. I, I was just talking about this with my friend that the the whole like you seem to build a, a pretty solid. Uh, uh, sense of past for these guys. Like, you know, you could just read into that guy that, you know, he was sort of oh, a, yeah. uh, you know, a TV hack. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know what I mean? But, but everyone's familiar with that guy. Yeah. And you have a very sort of familiar, kind of uniquely American disposition. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that when you see the, the, the darker elements of this guy's yeah, ca- yeah. character <laughs> and he doesn't even know it's coming out. Yeah. And he's just trying to make conversation in an awkward situation. It's, yeah. it's, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. But yeah. like, you do, you, you make certain choices about their life. You just have a yeah. couple of things to hang it on yeah and i think if someone asked me about them you know a lot of actors you say they'll write a whole biography right i never did that but if someone asked me about my character what did he do three years ago i could tell you yeah you know was he married yeah he was married once and then he got a divorce it just it's it kind of fits into the background you you set yourself in the situation i guess that's how you do it and christopher guess will give you the you know here's what you did you did this you know that you're up against this guy and uh Bob Balaban is a perfect foil because he's so serious. And yeah. I remember him from Seinfeld, where he played the the head of NBC. Uh huh. And he scared me. And it, he, when in Waiting for Guffman, there was a scene where Catherine O'Hare and I had to come in the room and audition for the play. Yeah. And I didn't know Bob Balaban was going to be in the room. And he has that look on his face, like, "Who the hell is this?" <laughs> so <laughs> in in um, I think it was Best in Show. I had to go up and 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 interview him. So immediately I got a brass side to me. Yeah. He was Dr. So-and-so. Doctor, listen, I got a little pain in my upper, <laughs> up in the left-hand side. Is that bursitis? Is it cold? And he just looked at me and says, well, I'm not that kind of doctor. Now, he could have tried to top me. Yeah, yeah. He said, what have you been doing with you? But I said, no, I'm just kidding with you here. But he was so perfect. He's a perfect foil. <laughs> Eugene Levy is that kind, too. Good foil? Oh, he's like, you can just take advantage. I, I said to him one, in the scene, you look like the kind of guy who spends a lot of time in the bathroom. But it just let, no, I wouldn't say that to Christopher Guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Said to Eugene Levy's character. Right. Not yeah, to yeah. Eugene, but You're to right. his character. Yeah. They're fun people to work with, and it's uh, so funny because Bob Balaban's been around since the late '60s too, and he does everything. Man, every you see movies, he produces. He's yeah, he's a he's a terrific guy. Well, it comes from a the Balaban, the RKO or whatever the Balaban. Yeah, it's a production. theater family, right? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't hurt. Yeah, my dad, I didn't know what he did. Yeah, he went away and came home at five o'clock in a tie and sat with his tie and jacket. And dad, loosen your tie. 
Um, so in the big picture of things, like, you know, after you got back from the Army, you made this choice. I mean, what, how'd your family react to that? Do you have any- I could not. I didn't want to tell. I got a job. My, I had a stepfather. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to go into business. Business is... And, uh, so I got a job in New York in an office. Yeah. But it was a kind of job where you, it, was a, it was a credit company. You could go out uh, in, in, uh, on the street and, and go to different companies to get credit reports. So if there was an, if an audition, I could get up and leave. And but at night uh, we were doing this comedy act with my partner, and you know he, uh, so it was really tough. I, I couldn't do it. Now you'd, you'd leave a club at midnight, and uh, you'd get home at one. You had to be up at eight and be in work at nine. And uh, my partner had lost his job, and I said, "Boy, you're lucky. You can sleep late." <laughs> but he had a wife and kid, and it was tough. And I said, "Yo, you're lucky. I envy you." And I was making like eighty-five bucks a week. But we finally auditioned for a, a company. Uh, upstate New York, you heard about the, the Catskills. Yeah. This was not the Catskills. This was the like the uh, the uh, the Goy uh, uh, Catskills. It was uh, more white bread. Dinner theater ish. It was dinner theater. It was repertory. Yeah. And we auditioned. There was a first banana. A comic named Larry Wild. Uh-huh. I don't know. He's written. He wrote. He wrote all these books about um, the Jewish joke book. The oh, he Polish did those? joke book. Yeah, the, yeah, sure, uh, I remember Mexican, those. Yeah. Very, very funny man. Not that funny on stage. He was like like uh, Alan King, kind of that corny humor. But yeah. in person, he was the funniest guy. And he was the first banana, and they needed a second banana, so they hired my partner and I as second banana. Well, the good thing, we got to, we gave my partner a job. I got to quit my office job. I had to go home and tell my parents, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in show business. And my, my my stepfather, being very supportive, he says, there's a lot more unemployed actors than there are credit reporters. I well, you know, I'll, I know I know that. Did you never get along <laughs> with that guy? No. I, I look back, he had a tough, uh, uh, I, you know, your stepfather, your mother marries another yeah, guy. I, yeah. I didn't, and he didn't uh, care for anything I did. And, yeah. Um, anyway, it's a long story. But he died, and... Uh, and I look back and I said, I, maybe he was not that bad. Like, he had a he had a tough. It was just a matter of their uh, approval of it. Yeah, your mom was okay. She lived to be a good old, a good ripe age, ninety three. And she was uh, so she she was able to see some of your success. She and... saw some of my stuff, yeah, and she was amazed because she'd come out and see the house we live in, which is not that great. It's a nice house, but she, oh, she had to take pictures and show her friends and. Yeah, she was great. She didn't quite get. I mean, she had a pretty good sense of humor. Yeah, you know, she from Cleveland. You have a good sense of humor in Cleveland, even though she was the least funny of all her, her brothers and sisters. Well, you know, Jonathan Winters comes from Cleveland. Dayton, D- Dayton, Dayton, just a little right. west. Yeah, there's that Ohio. Bob Hope. Yeah, uh, Jack Riley. A yeah. lot of guys I've met out here. There's a Cleveland. Drew Carey, I think, is from uh-huh. Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland rocks. Hey, have you uh, have you spent time with Jonathan Winters? <laughs> a little bit. He's, he's a little he's tough to be with. Yeah, yeah a little. He, How's this? Somebody this hat. And if you're with him long enough, he'll come down and just be, you can yeah, get a conversation. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent an hour talking to him. He's yeah, kind of, for a half hour, he's characters, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's like as he gets older, I think that there, there, you know, he's he's right in there. But it's he's got a hell of a memory. I think so. He was oh, yeah. in his eighties. Oh yeah, still, he can, yeah. you know, like he can do his first radio bits. Do you remember ever hearing him on the radio? Because I think his some of his first bits were on the radio in no, Cleveland. The yeah. first I saw him. I was in a room, and there was a Colgate Comedy Hour or something. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Winters. And he came out, and he did a thing about a sword fight. I don't know if he's making up. Yeah. And he went, in the closing, he put the sword in the sheath. Yeah. But, oh, like he stabbed himself. Bam, Jonathan Winters. And they went to commercial, and the audience laughed. 
and then they died down. And then they started to laugh again. I'd never seen a response. And the laughter just built, and they'd, no one had ever seen anything like this. <laughs> and he came along in that same wave, Shelley Berman, Bob Newhart, uh, Lenny Bruce. Um, Did you ever get to see any of those guys? I saw Shelley Berman many times in person. Uh, Mort Saul. I tried to see Lenny Bruce. I was at his famous Carnegie Hall concert. And you couldn't wait. I I because uh, no, I, I, he didn't show up till midnight I think right well it was a midnight show oh and it was a huge snowstorm right and he came out and you could hardly I was like hey what would be wouldn't it be wild if they didn't know we were in here but then people from the balcony started to yell we can't hear you yeah where are you I mean, well screw you you should have got better seats yeah. so he was on a good long time but it was very hard to hear him then I came out to L A and he was appearing in um, the Hollywood Canteen which uh-huh. is a little place is no longer there. And they re- reviewed his show, and I said, I'll go down to see him. It was a small place. There he came in late, walked yeah. in with a raincoat, walked up on stage, walked, talked about 10 minutes. He was mad about something. He said, well, i got to split. And I went, whoa, wait a minute. So he did another 10 minutes and split. So I never got to really see his act, but I got a, 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 a that's bunch of CDs. that I. Uh, that's interesting. So you saw him, and you couldn't hear him at the peak of his career, mm-hmm. and then you saw him, and he was too fucked up to deal yeah, at the end yeah. of his career. But I got a, there's a book of about six of his CDs, yeah. and he did some great... Oh, yeah, yeah. Half of it was just genius. The other half was just blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? Bob Newhart. I, I, I've become a little bit friendly with him. I did his show. Sweet guy. Just a real... Oh, I'd love to talk guy. to him. Nice guy, huh? Yeah, just the sweetest. Still most, works, right? Like very, yeah, yeah. Now, when you work with younger guys, like you did something with Tim and Eric, right? Yeah, I yeah. did. I never saw what I did. I'd never heard of their show, and young people would come up to me and say, Man, you were on Tim and Eric. Yeah. I said, Yes, I was. Oh, great. So I called my agent. I said, If Tim and Eric ever call, tell them I'll be on their show because young people like it. And I did a second. Uh, a second, I did not understand what I was doing. They pieced it together. You didn't something I was looking through a phone book for restaurants or uh-huh. doing something. And they said, we'll piece it. I said, but what's the point? We'll piece it together. You never saw it. I think I finally saw it. I remember something I was feeding people out out of pig trough. Uh Uh-huh. So you just went along with (laughs) it. I went along with it. And uh, I said, is this right? Is this what you want? But they're very popular. I I haven't really got into that. But (laughs) comedy has has, has changed a lot. It became very open with Lenny Bruce and them. You can talk about more. Monty Python came along and opened up sketch material, all comedy material, because you could probably, someone could stand up in the middle of a sketch and say, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong sketch. Yeah, yeah. I'd never seen that. Can you do that? (laughs) Sorry, I'm in the wrong sketch. (laughs) Saturday Night Live has done that. Yeah. And then um, comedy got very blue. And now it's got, which I love, blue comedy, if it's funny, David Tell, I've got a CD. Yeah. Of David Tell that I listen to, and I, I won't let my wife listen to because it it's so graphic. But yeah. I'll listen to it every once in a while. He's, He's um, funny um, and very dirty, but yeah. and funny. Oh, but yeah. it's if it's dirty and funny, and then um, now comedy seems to be a lot of it. If dumb comedy, it's, uh-huh. well, there's no joke. Well, that's the joke. There's no yeah. joke. And Does then that I, bother you? I, I feel so old. I said I'm not getting this. Yeah. Sometimes on Saturday Night Live, I'll watch a sketch and say, what, what, where's the joke? Yeah. Other times, they're so funny. They're so bright. I love Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I never yeah, miss yeah. it. But we TiVo it. And yeah. uh, I love their cast. They're just great, great uh, Fred Armisen. And, sure, uh, he's good, huh? They, yeah. And they, I love it when he does, they, does, they do a sketch like the old uh, a Halloween party, Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. know, half the crowd doesn't know who the hell he's talking about. Bill Vincent Hader was Price, in that. Yeah, 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 Bill Hader. Yeah. I met him. I was on the uh, Jimmy Fallon show with Bill Hader. And yeah. I met him. I said, 
Jesus, you're so young. He looks like he's, a, yeah. a, he's 14 years yeah. old, and he plays these great characters. He's a funny guy. Yeah, they're all funny. They're so all great. how often do you do your uh, your improv uh, stuff? It's a sketch, sketch group. We yeah. started doing it at a little theater uh, on Fairfax called Bang. Yeah. And we got this group of people write sketches, and we started doing these shows. We did them for about six months, once every month, every two months. Then Second City got in touch with us and said, why don't you do it at our theater? It's on Hollywood Boulevard. They have... Uh, Workshops there and a very nice theater. Yeah, since about, since and it's about fun. 70. You guys, you, uh, every month you do a couple new sketches or what? Good, good new sketches. Uh, it's just great. And yeah. so they come in with the new sketches, and we got some great people. And it started out I would write most of the sketches, and now I'll do maybe one sketch because everyone else is so funny. I'll put and you'll act their another sketch. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll yeah. do in a couple. Of, yeah. Well, it's great talking to you, Fred. Thank you for yeah. Thank you. And thanks for coming on. And oh, uh, it's a pleasure. They said my wife said, "Boy, I'm glad you're doing Mark's show. It's very hip. Everyone, everyone on the internet, everyone's <laughs> talking about it. yeah." <laughs> I said, "Well, yeah. I'm, this is great. I know Mark, and uh, this." For some reason, I thought I'd done your show, but I don't. I might have done it by phone a year or so ago. Did you do some phoners? I think we did. Maybe something for Air America. I don't know. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah, just yeah. For a minute or two. But uh, yeah. What's your latest project, Fred? Well, right now I'm yeah. in. Now, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> and now let's go to. Uh, <laughs> wait, we have Tom Cruise. Yeah, that was Fred Willard. Fred Willard was. You're, Fred... Still, you're still sitting there going, "Did I do it? Do I say Well, it's, it's certainly great. I'm a big fan, and uh, it was. Well, thank uh, you it was so a much. Pleasure. Rest in peace, Fred Willard. That was Fred Willard from 2012. Rest in peace, Lynn Shelton. Boomer lives!